Hello, and thank you everyone for joining us for what I hope will be an interesting and informative discussion around some of the latest data in rheumatology. My name is Professor Peter Nash from the Griffith University in beautiful downtown Brisbane. And today I'd like to welcome back one of our esteemed uh, um, colleagues, Professor Roy Fleischman, who's a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center. And he runs a very large research unit there as well. Welcome, Roy. Thank you so much for joining us again and giving up your time. Thank you, Peter. You're welcome as well. Okay. So um, today we're going to have a look at uh, a paper that Roy had recently published, which analyzes a variety of disease activity metrics in a methotrexate withdrawal study in rheumatoid arthritis patients treated with tofacitinib plus methotrexate. And this is a very topical and important issue, practical relevance to our audience, the clinicians. And it looks at how treatment response rates can vary depending on the activity measure used. And this is one of Roy's favorites, I'm sure, recently published in Rheumatology Therapy, um, which I believe you're the editor of Rheumatology Therapy, Roy. I am. <laughs> okay. So, Welcome, thank you so much for your time. Um, this study used data from oral shift. So could you explain to the audience about that oral shift trial? What did they do? Well, in the original oral shift trial, what they did was, was they took patients who were methotrexate incomplete responders and then added tofacitinib, open label. And at six months, they determined the patients who were in low disease activity by the CDI at month six. And those patients who were in CDI low disease activity, they were then split into groups where either they continued the methotrexate or they discontinued the methotrexate to see whether or not tofacitinib monotherapy would be just as effective. So this is the study design that was designed by the Canadians, and they did something that was a little unusual. Uh, and the what they did was, was the baseline was CDI low disease activity. But then they looked at DAS28 ESR as the endpoint six months later. So they changed the metric. And when I first saw the study, uh, the, fir the first author of studies, uh, Stanley Cohn, is my associate who I trained. And I asked the question, how many patients achieved DOS-28 low disease activity at the baseline? And it was 50% of patients. So that raised the question. And the question was, well, you switched metric, right? And it, it worked uh, when you when, when you when you did the original study, you found that uh, actually very much what we saw in uh, oral strategy was that the continuation methotrexate was helpful, but there were many patients on monotherapy who did well. And because they were looking at the DAS-28, they found non-inferiority. But the question I asked was, what if you use the same metric, same metric, as the baseline. So after the six months of the open label, they metric either the DOS-28 ESR or the DOS-28 CRP, 
or the C dye or the S dye or Boolean remission or rapid three, which is very popular in the United States for reasons that are beyond, beyond my comprehension. But what would those results have been? There were two very, very interesting aspects. One was that if you used the same metric as when you started the open label, whether it be the DAS 2080 SRCRP or the CDI or the SDI or Boolean remission or the rapid three, again, and you use the same metric at the end of the study, all right, it turned out the results were very, very similar, right? That you saw the same results as you saw in the primary and oral show. So that was nice. What well, what was okay? Well, that, yeah, that's so reassuring. What was yeah. Really interesting was the percentage of patients achieving those metrics. So, Peter, as you know, yes. I'm a I'm a I'm a strong supporter in strong metrics. Uh, such as the CDI or the SDI or Boolean remission. And it turned out that a majority <laughs> of patients achieved rapid three, no matter what you did, no matter what you did. It was not a very good metric in this study. And there was a discrepancy, a huge discrepancy between the rapid three and the DAS-28 CRP, which was also almost as poor, versus the um, DAS-28 ESR, the CDI, the SDI were the best metrics. Balloon remission was obviously the best uh, metric at all. So it showed that it's important. Uh, you should use a metric when you're treating T to treat to target. I think that you know you and I, I know that you and I both believe that. But which metric? And if you use rapid three, so let's three, explore that. Okay, so if you use rapid three, it doesn't make any difference. Everybody gets into low disease activity <laughs> remission. But if you use the C die or the F die, uh, or DAS 2080 in, in this analysis actually worked fairly well, there were many less patients who achieved the states that you wanted to achieve. And I thought that that was really what was the, the key take home for me in this trial, use the right metric. Testis metrics are little. So you think open label made any difference at all to this study or it, it didn't matter because people, only those who were doing well went into the study. So 76% of people had C. di low disease activity to go into the trial. Right. I don't think that it made much of a difference. All right. Okay. And, 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 the, study, and, the, and the study did replicate what we saw in oral strategy. So I, I think that the... The, the primary results of, of, of shift were accurate. You know, uh, more patients will do better with methotrexate plus tofacitinib, but a bunch of patients will do well with, with tofacitinib monotherapy. Okay, and let's talk about the metrics themselves. The criticism of the JACs and the DAS and those other measures are that the mechanism of action is to reduce CRP, et cetera, and so you don't really get a true reading where CDI leaves that out. So can you just tell us, the audience, a little bit about CDI LDA remission, where DAS-28, DAS-CRP have their flaws? Well, you just said it. And that's the <laughs> fact that the JAK inhibitors do affect um, uh, the CRP because of its IL-6 effects. Uh, and therefore, you get a reduction in the CRP 
that may not be associated with inflammation. The, the CDI gets you out of that, right? And boolean remission pretty much gets you out of that as well. Um, the, and the CDI is better than the SDI because the SDI does have the CRP in it. But you know, as, as well as I do, um, when you do trials, the, the CDI and the SDI are like 99% congruent, right? 99% contrived. But when you're using a drug that can affect CRP independently, your best metric is probably the CDI. And is it fair to say that very few people in the US, because I know certainly here, actually do the CDI and a lot more doing DAS28 out of habit? No. Not, so I'm sure that's true in Australia, and I'm sure that's true in Europe, and that may be true in Japan. But in the United States, we actually have gone more to the CDI. Uh, and the reason for doing the CDI is because you can do the CDI in front of the patient if you examine the joint, right? And if you ask the patient <laughs> how they feel, and if you ask yourself how the patient feels, that's the CDI. You don't have to wait for the acute phase reactant. So in the yeah. United States, actually, I think that most people use a rapid three, whether they use it to actually change therapy or not, uh, I'm not so sure. There's a lot of information, a lot of publications which say, well, they actually ignore the rapid three. But in those who are actually treated to target, I think the majority actually use the CDI rather well, than the DAS-28. Right. You think it'll come uh, a time when it'll be mandated in a reimbursed um, consultation that we must do an objective measure? Do you think that'll come? Well, I think it's it has been strongly suggested, right? <laughs> uh, um, all the societies, uh, you know, whether it's uh, the ACR, whether it's ULAR or uh, Japan or, or Eurasian Pacific, all talk about the fact that you should examine joints. Hmm. The problem we have is, is time. Right. Yeah. And whether or not time, whether you really have the time to do that, and 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 the problem with with electronic medical records and how inefficient they are, and this this really is the timing, and that's one reason why in the United States people like to use the rapid three, the patient reported outcome, you can calculate in two seconds. It, it takes me less than a minute to do a CDI, but I have to do the yeah. joint cap, which of course takes a minute or two. Yes. <clears throat> so tell us about um, the sort of time course. When you compare the groups who continued methotrexate and the one who went on to placebo methotrexate, was there any flaring that you saw after six to eight weeks when that methotrexate effect wore off? Was there like changes in the timeline of response over the weeks 24 to 48? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And I don't know the exact answer to that question. But what we do know is if you take a look at oral shift or if you take a look at this paper, you, and you can see in this paper too, there is a drop-off in the patients who stop the methotrexate, right? Um, and it's clinically meaningful in a small number of patients, right? Um, and it is true of each of the metrics. Um, so... What we saw in oral strategy, we looked at monotherapy versus combination therapy, 
And that was de novo. This is now patients who've reached low disease activity. So a little different patient population. Uh, we saw that the combination was clearly better than the monotherapy. But the monotherapy works in about 75% of patients. And I think that that's what we saw in this study. But probably in this study, because they all had achieved low disease activity by CDI, rather than a 25% drop-off, we probably saw like a 10 or 15% drop-off. And it, you, it probably wasn't captured. If you could recapture those patients by adding methotrexate back in, that probably was not done. They just dropped out. That's my favorite question. Every time I, <laughs> I've talked to people about strategy trials and they talk about stopping the drug and the patients do well, but only 20% flare. And my question is, and that 20% of flare, could you recapture them? And the usual answer to that question is, yes, you, 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 when you restart the methotrexate, the patients do better. What you don't get, and I haven't seen, and maybe you know better than I do, although I don't think it's, it's, it's really reported, how many patients actually achieve the same degree of control as they did before? So in other words, what we're saying is, is you stop the methotrexate, the patient flares, they go into moderate disease activity, and let's use the speed diet as an example. Uh, they go from uh, six to 12, right? 13. So not a big flare, but a flare. Uh, and then you restart the methotrexate. Do they go back to six? Or do they go to nine, right? And if they go to nine, you say, well, that's not so much, but what if it's three swollen joints? Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Three swollen joints are a big deal. So I don't know, but I, I, but I do know clinically from my practice, and you probably have the same experience in your practice, when you stop the methotrexate or the patient stops the methotrexate, many of them, you can restart it. You can get them back to where they were but there is that small proportion that just doesn't get back to exactly where they were. Yeah, I think that's an important point. I, I try to think of an Asia-Pacific perspective where these things, the advanced therapies are expensive and everyone's got to pay for every single tablet in the Asia region. So they're tending to start combo and keep the MTX going and stop the TOFA and then add it back in if they flare, and that way get around access issues. So uh, I think that's critical, whether stopping, they flare, you can get them back to where they were without a penalty, either damage or whatever metric you use. So the, the metric issue is very interesting. How do you think we should take that forward? What would you recommend to the audience if you have to do a metric, which one should you do? CDI without question? No, I do. I do three metrics every patient, every visit, right? I do a CDI, and that's the one that I really go by. Um, I do a DAS 28 ESR because I have that for, you know, since 1995, right, in the patient. So I follow that. It's not quite as, as, as clinically significant as the CDI. And I also do a hack, which is basically a uh, rapid three, which doesn't change that much once you, once you get there. Um, so those are the ones that I do. So I would recommend a CDI, right? If you, for some reason you don't want to do CDI, I have no idea why you wouldn't. Then, and you want to do DAS 28, I would do an ESR rather than a CRP. I've also published, as you well know, uh, comparisons of DAS 28 ESR and CRP. 
And those, the numbers, the, the cut points are not the same. So if you have a DOS 28 CRP of 4.8, that is not moderate disease activity. That's high disease activity. And if you have a DOS 28 CRP of three, that's not low disease activity. Uh, it's, 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 it's moderate disease activity. And if you dust 28 CRP of 2.6, that's not remission. That's low disease activity. But Peter, you, you brought up an interesting point, which I think is worth exploring. So you said that you start with the combination, then you would stop the methotrexate, uh, stop the expensive drug and continue the methotrexate. For some reason, that doesn't, that doesn't sound logical to me. And the reason is you put the patient in methotrexate, patient, you know, theoretically got this somewhat better. This is not better. an MTXIR, not an MTXIR population. This is from day one, naive population. Oh, from a naive population. Yeah. yeah. So then, then that makes more sense because about a third of patients actually respond to methotrexate quite well. Yeah. So then if you want to test and see if it's the methotrexate, yes, that makes sense. But not in a methotrexate IR population. Yeah. So two little questions. You wouldn't have had radiology in this study. It would have been interesting to see if there is any imaging damage uh, penalty for, for continuing single rather than combo, although I suppose 24 weeks is, is quite short. Um, and the nominal piece, why were they? Wait, 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 wait. Let me, but let me address <laughs> that, okay? So I'm doing a lecture next month at... Uh, Dr. Kavanaugh's uh, RWCS, um, and uh, I was given a topic to debate uh, Dr. Alvin Wells, who you know really well, as to whether or not you need radiographs, right? Oh. Not do you need a radiograph initially, but should you follow radiographs? And uh, we have a publication, which is now in press, actually, which looked at upadacitinib, right, over four years right over four years and what was the progression right so this is a question your damage right well it turns out that 80 percent of patients have no progression at all right that's nice what about the other 20 percent the average progression over four years was less than one sharp unit right so the, the whole phenotype of the disease has changed over time it's changed. It's changed because we're treating more aggressively. We were treating earlier. Yeah. We we're using better drugs. So it's really changed. Yeah, very interesting. Right. And the nominal P's, why were they nominal? Because that was statistical. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was nominal. But, you know, my feeling about nominal means, you, you, you know, you, you really didn't do the statistics. Get a nominal P value. Maybe it's correct, but maybe it's not correct. It didn't multiplicity okay. controlled, you would have found out. So I think that, you know, for the listeners, Every time you see a nominal p-value, take it with a grain of salt, because it may be correct, but it may not be correct. Okay. So final comment, the take-home, as you've already said, but just to re-emphasize for the audience, an objective measure, which metric, and you don't lose anything by monotherapy, stopping the MTX if it's an issue, and we're yet to know if you can recapture. What would you suggest? You yeah, so you can lose by stopping the methotrexate. This, this study also showed that you could, that you could lose something by stopping the methotrexate. But if the patient's in, in sustained low disease activity by CDI, it's very few patients who do that. 
Um, and I can't answer the question as to do they really regain what they had. Yeah. So in 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 my sphere, if I start methotrexate and the patient has a uh, an incomplete response, but they tolerate the methotrexate, and I start an advanced therapy, and I don't care which one it is, it could be any of the advanced therapies, and they go into remission, a CDI remission or a Boolean remission, now a Boolean two, right? A Boolean two, the with the change. <laughs> A little bit and they go into remission. Why would you stop the medication? Why would you stop the combination unless the patient um, has side effects, right? Or toxicity or, you know, why would you stop it? Just to stop yeah. it doesn't make sense. Uh, but if you have to stop it, I think that with the JAK inhibitors, as well as the IL-6 inhibitors, as you know, uh, those drugs uh, will do better as monotherapy uh, than the other biologic TNF um, or the anti-costimulatory uh, uh, molecule, and certainly rituximab. Yep. So thank you very much, Roy, um, for being so clear and concise. Um, we appreciate your time. Um, always your mentorship is very, very much appreciated. I'd like uh, everyone in the audience to know more about this paper. You can... Uh, find it uploaded with the slide detailed slide sets available on the CSF website. Go to the publication section, cytokinesignaling.com. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or other podcast media and give us some feedback and let us know what you think. Greatly appreciate. Thanks again, Roy, and have a lovely evening, I think. Um, so yes. all the very best. Thanks a lot. Thank you.